What's going on, everybody? This is Matt. And this is Ed. And we would like to welcome you to another episode of Cinema Syndrome. So, what do we have going on today, my friend? Today is another spooky episode. Because we're in October. Spooky number two or three? Three. Spooky number three. Spooktober, as we like as we have officially called this. With a capital S P. If you're following our Instagram and our Facebook page, you'll know that we call it Spooktober now. Anyway, we're on our ep- third episode. Um, this one's not so much of your typical horror slasher this time now, is it? No, you know, it's um, you, you can still classify it as a horror. I would say it's more thriller. Though. Yeah, it's more of a thriller. Um, they're really, the, the closest thing that you can get to uh, calling it a horror movie it is because it's one of the classic or the original monsters, uh, The Invisible Man. Yes, sir. Because uh, for this episode, we're talking about The Invisible Man. It was released in uh, 2019, so it's probably one of their newer movies that uh, we've have reviewed at least so far. Yeah, it uh, tail end of 2019, early 2020. I'm not sure the exact release date, mm-hmm. but um, it was one of those ones that we were actually going to try to go see in theaters, but we never did get a chance to. Yeah, things just didn't uh, turn out the the right way, unfortunately. Yeah, so this is a first on this episode, a newer movie to say. So, um, what do you want? You got anything you want to talk about before we actually get into it? I don't know, man. I, there's so many things in my heart, you know. One thing, let's let's talk about the price of beef jerky. Okay, because that's first, ridiculous. Right. Um, I agree with your statement on beef jerky. I had to I'm pay t- my car taxes, and I don't like that. You know, now we're getting it. Now we're getting into my political. We're getting into no. We're gonna get into the real horrors that deal with Matt Hakens. Now we're getting into my political beliefs. You know, taxation is theft. You know, there's a whole war <laughs> of fault behind that. I should not owe the city of Camden money. Do we to have drive anything that we need to talk about the movie? Because the road sucks, and I don't need to pay them three hundred dollars for a 2010 Toyota Corolla. This is a travesty, and I need to speak Wait, how much to my do you it's like it's like three hundred, man. It's you paying three hundred dollars on a two thousand ten Corolla? It is ridiculous. Whoa. It is ridiculous. Dude, that's the real horror story. That's really Spooktober. Is that's really this, it? They, oh man, they price gouging you. Dude. Because if I don't pay it, I'm an enemy of the friggin' state. Yeah, because you don't get your little uh, little uh, tag. You I'm know? a tag. No, I'm okay, a no, no, no. For real though, I paid my taxes like in uh, May. I still haven't got my sticker. Oh, my car. That happened to my wife. Okay, so no, 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 no. Let's not, let's not talk about that. Before I go insane, uh, before I turn everybody into a political terrorist about burning things down because your car taxes. This is Spooktober, Matt. I mean, yeah, it's scary. You know, I am, I'm literally going to be an enemy of the state. I will be classified as a terrorist if I did not pay my car taxes, uh, which is wild. Uh, <laughs> That's so, where we draw the line so, between a normal citizen and a terrorist. Oh, car, you gotta pay you gotta your, pay car, your taxes? car taxes. You're a friggin' terrorist. All right, so, <laughs> now, okay, so let's get back into it. That's enough goofing off. All right, um, but, um, yeah, like you were saying earlier, the Invisible Man is one of the original Universal yep. horror movie monsters um, alongside uh, Frankenstein's monster. See, I was going to say Frankenstein, but it's not Frankenstein. It's this monster. Because Frankenstein is the doctor. Exactly. And Dracula and the mummy and the wolfman. The and wolfman. Yeah. The, the creature from the Black Lagoon is also somewhere in that mix too. Yeah, it's like one off movie or something. We're still kind of a couple. There's actually a few. Family the Opera is actually part of the original lineup too. Hmm. I can see that. Because mm-hmm. they got a big Blu-ray box set of all the movies, and it's the only way you can get the Blu-ray copy of the Phantom of the Opera. I was getting that box set. Okay. Yeah. Well, on to the Invisible Man. Let's give our review for it. Uh, so, the Invisible Man is a sci-fi horror film written and directed by Leigh Wenall. And I'm pretty sure I got the last name wrong, as we often do here. And, <laughs> we and, are Cinema Syndrome, not Cinnamon Scho- Cinema Scholars. Exactly. And it tells a terrifying tale of abuse and obsession mixed with a little bit of science. Ooh. The film starts off with Cecilia Cass, played by Elizabeth Moss, slipping out of the bed she shares with her boyfriend after apparently doping him with sleeping pills. It isn't clear at first what she's actually trying to do, but after you see her grab a bag full of money, some passports, and a few other things, and literally doing everything in her power not to make a sound, you realize that she's trying to escape. But as with many things in life, her plan doesn't go very smoothly. 
there's a dog there as well. His name's Zeus, and you know, just like her, I, I, you feel like the animal's trapped there because he's got like a shock collar and everything. Mm-hmm. And in her attempts to free him, the Zeus bumps into a car, triggers the alarm, sets the whole mansion ablaze. Like all the alarms, all the lights go on. So it startles her, and she just runs away. Now, of course, as all this goes on, her boyfriend is waking up. After some frantic running through the through the woods, Cecilia comes to like a main road where her sister Emily is there to pick her up. This is where we kind of get a glimpse uh, of Adrian, who's our villain, Adrian Griffin. He's played by Oliver Jackson Cohen. He Same runs up thing. to the car and bashes bashes the window with his bare hands. And if anybody's trying to like break a car window with their fist, that is a pretty goddamn impressive, man. This dude is a is a freaking nut job. The scene is very tense. Elizabeth Moss does a good job of giving off that frustrated and exhausting fear. I also like the scene because it built up Adrian to be the villain without him having other without him having to utter a single word. Mm-hmm. So, Ed, what do you think about the first scene, man? That whole like scenario with her sneaking around the house. Just being like on edge at all times really paints the picture of her being trying to get away from somebody that she is desperately, desperately trying to get away from. And just her overall cautiousness of the whole thing, playing it out, being extra quiet and everything like that. You can tell it's something that somebody she doesn't want to be around anymore. And even like you were saying about the dog, Zeus. As soon as she takes that shock collar off, He's he is, he bolts. He's like gone. he is out. And the all of that, like the little bit of like a kind of a just the, the house itself was actually kind of amazing. It's a very nice house. That's uh, correct. Yeah, and you kinda already like what's what was great about this is you kinda got a picture of who these two characters are without a single bit of dialogue between the two. Um, you can tell that he's an obsessive, controlling person by the amount of security he has in the house. Like, cameras everywhere. Cameras everywhere, alarms on everything. And, I mean, like, to get in and out of the house, you got to have, like, a cat passwords and stuff like that. And her just being so overly cautious just shows that she is somebody that's been controlled for a long time. She's trying to get away from it. So, I really like the way they did that. Um, that was a whole good chunk of a scene without no dialogue other than her talking to the dog. Because she was like, oh, Zeus, I can't leave you here. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I can't leave you. I can't leave you, you know. Cause she, was, she was afraid for the dog, too, which is, you know, think of how scary that is. You know, she's afraid for herself. Imagine what this dude is, you know, is doing to this dog. They never get into it. They never explain it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just to see how much she cared for that animal. Yeah, he probably was abusing the dog as well. Yeah, I mean, like, so that just kind of gave you, like, a, a good little, already good idea of how this guy is. He's somebody you don't want to be around. Mm-hmm. And so after this first scene, the movie does something I really liked. It kind of gives you a glimpse into the mind of people that have been abused or mistreated in a relationship. We find Celia hiding out at her friend's house. Her friend's name is James. With his daughter. With his daughter. Uh, yeah, Sydney. Uh, James is played by Aldous Hodge. And she's so afraid that she can barely walk outside of the house. She even thinks she's being watched. Constantly. This leads to a very anticlimactic moment oh, where yeah. Cecilia's sister tells us that Adrian committed suicide. Oh, don't you forgot about the her going to the mailbox. Did I forget about her going to mailbox? Yeah, that was before. But that was really insignificant, though. No, I mean, she was the walking way that, out that scene house. was played out was really good, though. Like, yeah, I mean, the dude runs up to her yeah, and stuff like that. Because I thought that was just, I just really liked the way that was played okay. out. Yeah, it wasn't a bad scene. You know? I just wanted to mention it. Yeah, it, it was, you're right. It wasn't a bad scene. You know, that kind of kind of shows a lot of her. Uh, it shows how scared she is. Because once that dude starts running at her, like, the dude's just jogging. You know, we don't know if that's Adrian or anything like that because he has a hoodie little, on. Yeah, and you all know. you're hearing is, like, kind of, like, his breathing. And since we don't know, she, of course, she doesn't know. Uh, and so she is really freaked out. She's really freaked out about that. So after this revelation that Adrian kills himself, it kind of segues into a very startling revelation where Celia talks about how Adrian used to do terrible things to her. Um, abusing her physically was one of the many things he did. 
she also talks about his desire to have a baby. And that was really the thing that got all this rolling. That drove her to leave. Because she felt that if she got pregnant by Adrian, she would always be trapped. Like she would never be able to escape. Like that would be her life until she died. And so, of course, she took birth control. And she even says to herself or to, uh, to James and Emily that, hey, that's only going to work for so long before he figures out what's up. So I got to formulate a plan. I have to get out. So with that being said, once again, Adrian, we haven't heard him speak or anything like that. Uh, he hasn't had, you know, besides him screaming at Emily, uh, excuse me, screaming at Cecilia as he's punching like the glass in the car. You know, we haven't heard him talk, right? Right. So let's talk about how much of a freaking dirtbag this guy is. Like this dude is like the real villain right here. Without without any like science involved, without any mystical things involved, like Freddy Krueger, stuff like that. This dude is a real like piece of freaking work. Like a real life villain. Yeah, it's like real life. You know, people are really going through this stuff right now. And, you know, in a way, I know I said this wasn't really like a horror movie. But it really is because there's women, there's women, there's men, there's children, there's animals that are, as we are recording this thing, unfortunately, are being abused, are being mistreated. And to think what they're going through, that's that's a that's a horror story, bro. Like, could you imagine somebody doing this by being controlling, being abusive to you day in and day out? I mean, just just the thought of it actually is just kind of is terrifying. Yeah. I mean, especially when like she said, she didn't really have a way to get out of it, and she just felt because kind of like she was biding her time for a while. But then whenever he got to the point when he was wanting to have a kid with her, she knew that was going to be the end of it. And like you were saying earlier, that was when she had to figure out a way to get out of it. And um. That's just terrifying. Just feeling like you're kind of like stuck into like an abusive relationship yeah, like that. You're I just mean, there, you know, you just you're just this person's punching bag, you know, forever and forever and forever. Because you're just, yeah, she just because she goes over about how he uh, controlled everything about her to like the way who she hung out with, yeah. where she would go, and stuff like that. And you, you see that in real life. I mean. Not to the extent of like you know this rich playboy like guy, but like you see that in real life with like people in your hometown or people you grew up with, and they're in relationships with these guys that literally control everything about them and get a bit abusive on them, and they don't have no way to go, and they they're so entwined into this kind of relationship that they feel like. They can't go anywhere. Yeah, you're they, trapped physically and you're trapped mentally. They, they and it's like their their mentality about the whole situation is turned around. They they feel like they truly do love this person, even though they know it's not right for them. And you can kind of see that. And that was a lot in Cecilia. And it just kind of was like she finally just had the final straw, and it just she, something she had to get out of. Yeah, she had to get away, especially with like her. With him wanting her to get pregnant, which I can kind of, I, I see why that would be extremely terrifying to her. Yeah, because not only is she going to be in this, is, is she brings a child into this world. What's he going to do to the kid? Exactly. You know, what's he going to do to the kid? So that as another little wrinkle. You know, and at this point, you know, at, at, these, at, at these certain moments in the movie, I think Elizabeth Moss does her absolute best. Um, you know, I hate to I hate to say uh, uh, actor's strong suit is being afraid or being terrified, but in this movie, when she's in those moments where she's very fearful, that's her, her that's her strongest performance throughout the entirety of the movie. That's her strongest performance, I would say. Uh, so all this leads to a meeting with Adrian's brother, Tom Griffin, who's played by Michael Dermott. Apparently, Adrian left her quite a bit of cash upon his death. Uh, basically, it was like $5 million. She would get like, what, $10 million a month or something like that for like the next four or five years? Mm, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, no, 10000 10000 Yeah, it was a good chunk of change. I she know, got like yeah, $10,000. Uh, she would get 10000 a month. Right. For however many years. I can't remember the exact years. 
I would have to do math, Matt. And last, yeah, you know, we, we already done discussed yeah. that we don't do math. That's absolutely not happening. <laughs> we don't we don't have time to do math. We have calculators for this, and I don't feel like using my calculator right now, Matt. No, of course. That's the true fear. No, no, what I'm doing math. No, what I force you to do math. Uh, so at this point, at this point, I'm not feeling Emily, right? Mm-hmm. So of course Emily's at this meeting because it's her sister. They try to build her up as this protector, but it falls flat very quickly. And she comes off really annoying. Not saying Adrian's, you know, his brother deserves any respect because in most situations like this, family members are often the enablers. But she isn't a protector. She's a Karen. I don't know if the director equates that personality type for strength, but I very much disliked it. Like, I really hated it. So, Ed, how do you feel about uh, this max level Karen called Emily? Emily? I feel her problem I had with her is she kind of feels like she does victim blaming on for herself kind of thing. She did it with, um, like, okay, for instance, whenever Cecilia is staying with James and James's daughter, she, uh, she tells Emily not to come to the house because um, Adrian knows Emily, knows where she lives, and that would be like the first way to get to her. And instead of, you know, calling Cecilia up and, you know, basically asking and all that, she just comes to the house, which I don't understand in her mindset. She was thinking, well, you know, Adrian's dead, dead yeah. so it's not going to be a problem. But the thing was, was she didn't really like, you know... She didn't really get Cecilia like a. Uh, she didn't follow through with Cecilia's wishes. She should have like had a contingency. You know, she should have went with a contingency plan to mm. at least inform Cecilia beforehand that hey, I need to talk to you. Is there anybody we can meet up yeah. instead of just coming straight to the house? Just and, coming know, like right there, you know. And then whenever Cecilia goes at her about it, then she's gonna try to play victim instead of just like you know going straight into the. Oh well, he's dead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she starts trying to play victim, and. She kind of does that a lot, but, like, the thing was, is, like, Emily was, like, a cop or something, wasn't she? No, I don't think it was ever established that she was a cop. They just said she has detective prowess oh, okay. or whatever, like, prowess. Because I was kind of wondering about that one, because I didn't know that if that was established later on or what, but she kind of, they do talk about that, how she has that authority figure, and she was always kind of like that rock, but, like, I'm not saying it's her fault, the girl, the woman that plays it. It's just she didn't come off too great. No, you know, you know, we're going to get into actually another portion of the movie here in a second. But I really think the director equated that Karen personality type for strength, you know, because they they touch on that. I don't want to say too much about it right now, but we will get into that pretty soon. Uh, One thing about the meeting, pretty much the biggest thing that came out of it was that Adrian's brother uh, told uh, told Cecilia. You get this money, depending upon, you don't get charged with a crime or felony or something like that, you'll get it no matter what. But the minute like you get charged for a crime or convicted or locked up or anything like that, poof, the money goes away. Mm-hmm. After this meeting, after she signs her name on the paper to get the money, things start to get out of hand uh, really quickly. It's a little random stuff at first. You see a curtain rustling, or you see knives falling on the floor. You know, Cecilia's cooking. She walks away for a few seconds. It's a gas stove, and it just goes up in flames. Like, the stove catches on fire. And then one night, the front door is just wide open. Walks outside, and she doesn't see anything. And then one of the creepier moments, you know, kind of like that breath, like you take, you know, oh, yeah. like when it's really cold. That was really well done. You see that breath coming off nothing. You just see it to, like that exhale. And it most definitely didn't come from Cecilia. And then once again, one thing after another, one thing after another. So Cecilia has an interview, right? 
Mm-hmm. And during the course of this interview, you know, she's talking to the guy. She's nervous. This is the first time back in the real world of being away from Adrian, trying to be a little bit more uh, independent. So she goes at this interview. It's for our, like architecture, and she goes to show the uh, she goes to show her future boss, or hopefully her future boss, her portfolio, and all her work's missing. There's another scene actually right before this where Emily call Cecilia says hey this is what you really think about me because apparently Emily sent, excuse me Cecilia sent Emily an email and it was pretty nasty like yo you're not getting any of this money I hate you blah 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 you're suffocating really, really me and of course Cecilia's like bro I didn't send that what are you talking about I didn't send you an email with someone that's going through a very traumatic experience all of these events are very overwhelming to her. And at the job interview, she actually collapses. Then we find out there's a large amount of sleeping pill. Was it dopa? Dopa? Um, Dazafram. 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 Uh, I wrote that down because I knew that was important. <laughs> <laughs> there's a large amount of, of that in her system. And the doctors say, yo, well, all that in your system, of course you go faint. You know, of course you're going to pass out. Like, girl, what's wrong with you? Why are you taking these? Why <laughs> <laughs> taking all these bills, yo? What's the problem? Do we need to dis- do we need to have a sit down and talk? Yeah. What's going Why on? Why are you on drugs? And you're in for a job interview. <laughs> so all this leads to another kind of a showdown with Adrian's brother, where Cecilia's like, "Yo, I know he's alive. I know he's alive. I know what he's doing to me, and you need to tell him to stop." You need to make him stop because he is torturing me. Once again, I am being tormented by him. So I thought that was really good. That was, that was one of actually the better scenes in the movie. I like how she put the medicine bottle on the table. And she said, hey, look at this. This is what I drugged him with to get out of that house. Mm-hmm. I dropped this on the road. Miles away. And I found it. And it's on like my, it's like on my sink in the, you know, in the bathroom as I took a shower. I know Adrian's alive. I know that he is somehow, some way has made himself invisible. Because at this point, it is established that Adrian is like one of the, one of the foremost scientists in the world of like digital optics. So she's like, there is some way somehow he has turned himself invisible. And like that was another thing too is like with even with that scene and that many other scenes throughout the whole movie this is how like I feel like the supporting cast was really good in general too is like you can see people's emotions on their face what they're thinking by just their their facial expressions uh, like James sitting there beside Cecilia when she's talking about he doesn't even know why he's there and Cecilia's talking to Tom and going on about that. And then as soon as she starts talking about Adrian being alive, you just see on James's face, he's just like, what the hell? <laughs> what you mean? Like, that dude's dead. Like, uh, uh, Cecilia, we got we got confirmation that he's dead. <laughs> but he doesn't say any of it. You can just see it on his face. And that's what, like, almost everybody. Like, whenever they were talking, when she was talking to him at the beginning, you see that reaction both with Emily and James, whenever they're just concerned about their friend or uh, and you know sister, about how she's just what she went through, you mm. know, and that's something that I really appreciated with everybody in this movie. You know, which you know, it's a, which is a very calculating, you know, like I said, because James was looking at her like she was crazy, because I would too, though. You know, we like I said once again, it's been established. Adrian's dead. They showed a photo of him laying on the floor with this uh, wristlet. You know, his brother, even in the first encounter, says, hey, this is what's left of him on the counter over there. That is his ashes. So all the evidence that you would think you would need to prove somebody's dead, you know, they have provided. So this all leads up to the first real encounter with the Invisible Man or Adrian. Cecilia is laying on the floor crying. Because once again, she feels like her life is being controlled. James' daughter, Sydney, played by Storm Reed, pretty much comes there to console her. Now she's like, hey, let's have a girl's night out. But right on cue, 
bam, Adrian like socks her in the face. It's quick. No, I it's mean, good. like a hard punch. Like nobody saw the punch. Nobody knows exactly where it came from. No, you do. You see blood coming out of the little girl's mouth. She got hit hard. So James is in there freaking out, and they leave, which is weird because. If somebody like punches my daughter, I'm not gonna be the one to leave. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was a little strange myself. He's like, "Hey, I already find some place where she's gonna be safe. You I need mean, to be out of here." I'm gonna, I'm making sure my daughter's safe. Uh, all I gotta say is, you might want to think about going to stay in with your sister. And I'm like, "It's your house, dude." <laughs> James, what, what are you doing, man? Now you're being too nice, bro. You're being too nice. I get it. I think, you're I a think, good guy. I think that they were kind of they they um. I think it was kind of building a little bit. There was like a hint of like a maybe a romantic thing going between Cecilia and James at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be why he kind of was like so reluctant to like just kick her out because maybe he had feelings for her or something like that. I think it was established they were childhood friends. Yeah, they did. They were, they were old friends. They did establish that. But yeah, like no matter what, I'm not, I'm not but, leaving my house. Yeah. And especially after, you know, in, in his, in his view, after somebody just hit my daughter. Yeah, after you just punched my daughter. I would not be okay with just like leaving the house and leaving them there at my house. No, I wouldn't have done that. That, that was weird. That just felt strange to me. Um, I, I understand. I mean, I get why they're trying to do it because they're trying to have this little this uh, face off between Cecilia. And uh, there's this is about the only way they could do it. But it just was weird to me. And another weird scene, you know, if I'm James, this whole sequence, like, pisses me off. So, they leave the house. Cecilia starts freaking out. She starts yelling. She goes in the kitchen and grabs a whole bag of coffee mm-hmm. and just throws it on the floor. Like, hey, you, you got to sweep that up, you know? Uh, <laughs> I know. And, oh, and there's something else, too, later on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know what you're, you probably yeah, what I'm thinking you, about. Yeah, clean this up. Like, what are you doing? Like, wasting my coffee on the floor. This is... this is. I mean, it's awful. not even the fact that you just dirtied my floor. It's so that you wasted my a whole gourmet bag of coffee. Because that's, that was that, that's expensive stuff. From Colombia. It's. I mean, it was in a bag. That's expensive coffee. Thank you. When it's in a bag already, you know that's expensive. And if it ain't in a can, is it? Mm-hmm. And so she also grabs a knife. My only my only assumption is why she got the coffee thrown on the floor uh, was an attempt to see his footsteps. She saw paranormal activity. Exactly. That's what happened. <laughs> so my issue with this particular scene, minus the coffee on the floor, is Elizabeth Moss. Her monologue falls so flat for this moment. She doesn't really come off afraid. She doesn't come off frustrated. She doesn't even come off defiant. You know, she's talking about like, uh, hey, I'm just a suburban girl. Why do you want me? Why can't you just leave me alone? Uh, I I feel like in that moment, she should have came off uh, way more defiant. And she did. She should have came off with way more energy. Now, once again, I understand that she's been battered. She's been uh, been abused. But... We've already established in these steps that she's very, very prepared to defend herself. The coffee on the floor to see his footsteps, the knife in her hand. She's actually ready to fight back. So I don't know why she couldn't give a little bit more uh, of a more of a defiant performance in that monologue. So Ed, what, what do you think about that, man? What do you think about her monologue? Performance-wise, yeah, um, it wasn't that great. Because it, it did kind of come off more of like, you know, this whole, so far in the movie, she's been kind of built up as being terrified of this guy, right? Now, all of a sudden, she starts off the monologue, and it's kind of like, she's like a little schoolgirl writing in her diary about, like, why the popular guy likes her so much when she could have any other guy, any other girl. And she just kind of... I don't know if it was maybe like an attempt to her to kind of feel like maybe she is going insane, you know? But it just didn't really flow right, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it missed it. It missed some punch. You know what I mean? It, it missed. It missed some punch. It, there it, was some impact. Yeah, right if there. it was going to be like maybe her kind of like eventually doing like her, maybe I am breaking down. Maybe I am crazy. I think it should have been a little more over the top, in my opinion. Especially because you're you're yelling at nothing at the moment. Yeah, you're yelling at nothing. You know, in this scene, uh, really, this, in this scene, she has to carry two people. 
she has to carry her she has to carry her character and she has to carry of course the invisible man because adrian's not speaking he only has a handful of speaking lines in the entire movie he really does like yeah so you have to in this moment you have to establish two things you have to establish your presence and then you have to establish that there is someone that you are projecting that on like somebody you're projecting your anger towards or your hatred towards and I, I just, I just didn't feel it. I just didn't feel it. I, you know, I, I watched that scene actually twice. That was like the, uh, no, excuse me, three times. Just trying to look for some type of emotion there in that moment, but I, I didn't get it. You know, that was, that was, that was really like one of my only real hangups about the movie. Especially because, uh, um, earlier in the movie, whenever she has that encounter, right before her job interview, mm-hmm. she actually, uh, that she plays that scene really well. Yeah, she does. You know, her performance in this, and we'll talk about it, it's it's up, it's down. It's up, it's down. Like, well, it's, it's but I mean, it's like, this is like, well, we'll, like, well, we'll talk about it later. Okay. Now, for reasons not explained, Cecilia calls Adrian's number. And surprise, surprise, she hears it ringing. And it's actually coming from above her in the attic. Now, once inside the attic, she makes a few startling discoveries. One, there's a phone in there with pictures of her sleeping. There's her portfolio, her art portfolio for her job interview. There's a knife in a Ziploc bag. That would be the most terrifying. Would be the, the knife in the Ziploc bag. Yeah, I'm like, why is there a knife in the Ziploc bag? Yeah, like, what, like, like, what are you planning on doing with that, bro? You know, um, and it, I definitely wouldn't just leave the knife in the Ziploc bag up there. <laughs> and so apparently, he's been living in this attic for God knows how long. Now, my assumption is he followed her after the uh, the meeting. After the meeting with his brother, he followed her back to James's house. And ever since that moment, he's been there. So he's probably been in the attic for three or four days. Mm-hmm. You know, just keeping his eye on her. So, <laughs> and another reason why I'd be pissed off if my name was James and I'm in this movie. She grabs a bucket of paint. Oh, yeah. It throws it at the entrance of the at- the entrance of the attic. That- <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and of course, some of it gets on Adrian. You know, as you know, if I, I've established this uh, in several episodes, you're not just going to ruin my goddamn house. <laughs> you got coffee on the floor. You're throwing paint everywhere. Paint on my hardwood floors. Don't you got pride in your hardwood floors? Don't you have any pride in your home? <laughs> don't you have any pride in my home? Of course you don't, Cecilia, because you're not paying the bills. Yes, you don't have any pride in your home, Cecilia? As a reference to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, First episode of Spooktober. Spooktober, all if right. If you haven't listened to it yet, listen to it now. Wow, what a shameless plug. On <laughs> your favorite streaming service. We're almost on all platforms now, Almost too. on all platforms. We'll get there. Sweden, we're coming for you. <laughs> Not in a menacing way, by the way. We love you guys. Yeah, awesome stuff. <laughs> so now we know that Adrian is alive. Oh, so they yeah. talk- What's up? No, no, I was just like, yeah, like that whole scene. I love that, like the way the paint like did it, and it's just kind of like you could hear like the the yeah noise, you know? Yeah, with the the, the well, shockingness of it, like that was really well done. I think that was like that was a good kind of startle. I was like, ooh, <laughs> like I knew it was coming, but I didn't like. I still didn't. I don't know the way it was executed was really well done. Yep. And so they they. They fight in the kitchen, you know. They they made their way to the kitchen. And oh, they fight in the kitchen. And, and you know, I'm sorry to cut in on this, mm-hmm. but like, like you're talking about with James, I would be pretty mad too if I came home and all of a sudden all my yeah. good china's being broke. All yeah, over because the place. They, they fight in the kitchen, and you know he he beats her up pretty good. He he, he is really he's dragging uh, her. Yeah, like, he's dragging her. He beats her up pretty bad. Uh, but like uh, it's it. Like she starts like smashing him with with plates and stuff like that. Plates, cups. They should get her hands on, you know, because she she can't see him, so she's really just swinging that air, which I kind of get it, you know, just whatever you can do to get this this thing off of you, whatever you can do. Uh, and so eventually, she hits him hard enough with enough of James' uh, plates that she, uh, excuse me, that she gets away. 
So, what did we think about the Invisible Man's debut? Um, well, like I was saying earlier, whenever you uh, when she threw the paint on him, and it like first like appeared on there, I thought that was really well done. That's actually been done in a lot of like previous Invisible uh, Invisible Man movies or movies inspired by the Invisible Man, like Hollow Man with mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon. That was a good movie. That was a good movie. Um, because in that movie that he even used paint to kind of like cover itself up to kind of make itself feel like normal again because he was kind of going insane because uh with that one uh the technology it wasn't the technology that made him insane it was the the idea that he could no longer see himself it's the isolation and nobody could tell when he was in the room with him so like you were saying yeah like isolation so they painted him with like a body paint kind of thing to kind of keep him to kind of get him back to his roots. And I thought that was a good throwback to that. Uh, as well as like. Anytime you ever encounter any kind of invisible enemy. And in, even in anime. Like in Dragon Ball. Whenever um, Yamcha's fighting Master Roshi. And every, not Master Roshi. When Yamcha's fighting the invisible man. In, the, uh, in that one tournament. And everything like that. Uh, Krillin <laughs> uses that move where he removes Bulma's top and makes Master Roshi squirt blood all over <laughs> the Invisible Man. <laughs> so like, anytime you have an interaction with like the Invisible Man in any media, there's always going to be that scene whenever like when there's paint cast, paint, on him. blood, um, or flower, anything, flower, uh, fire, fire extinguisher, mm. wink, wink. <laughs> but um, and I thought that was really cool. Good little like uh, simple homage to the past movies. And, uh, honestly, her interactions in that scene, fighting him and everything like that, she did really well in that. And her being dragged around and stuff was really well done. I mean, I know that, you know, it was mostly, I I pretty much know the kind of effects they use for that kind of now, but I thought it was really well done. And I think it was a good debut for the Visible Man in general. Like he he was uh, menacing. Like he had a purpose. I, you know, I I don't know, man. Like I, I feel like with his debut, they missed a very golden opportunity. Um, he could have spent a few moments actually driving her insane. You know, because she can't see him. He could have been talking about like you're nothing without Adrian, or you're nothing without me, or you know, you're, you're useless. You're you're nothing. I made you. He could have spent, actually, they could have, because the movie's two hours long, right? Mm-hmm. They could have gave this dude 10 minutes to be in, to just verbally, like, assault her, like, verbally break her down. I, yeah, I they did kind of miss that mark. And even whenever they're struggling, you really don't hear no kind of, like. You don't hear him grunting, or he, you don't even hear him talking or saying anything. Yeah. It's, that was that was a waste. So, I, I thought the debut was okay as far as, like, a. Uh, a physical uh, uh, physical terror as far as that but as far as like him being like a strong villain in this moment it just wasn't there uh but after the fight just... but that's kind of the problem with his mm. character and, and a lot of it though is that his presence is more just physical you know what i mean he, he you know and that's not it's, him yeah that's just the way the movie was directed that's how it was written up you know he didn't even get a chance to uh to prove himself. But after the fight, Cecilia makes her way back to where it all began. Zeus is still alive, so that's awesome. Yeah. And she finds the machine that turned Adrian invisible. But it's not really a machine. It's a suit. And from my limited knowledge in science, I guess it distorts the light around it to make, it, make him seem invisible. Which kind of leads to another encounter with Adrian. This one's really brief. Uh, Emily, excuse me, Cecilia takes the suit and she stashes it in the same place where she stashed that bag full of money and a passport like we talked about at the beginning of the uh, episode here. And Adrian comes back home. Adrian comes back. She sees his footsteps on the carpet. They tussle a little bit. At least, you know, I guess you can call that a tussle. Then she takes off. This leads us back to Emily. Cecilia's freaking out. She's scared. She knows Adrian's alive, but she knows how he's getting to her. And she wants to meet her sister in a public place thinking Adrian wouldn't be able to attack her out in the open. 
And for some reason, like when they get to this restaurant, Emily treats this waiter like a piece of crap. Oh, I didn't really like that. Yeah, you know. I wasn't a fan of that at all, honestly. The thing about it is, once again, I believe the director equated that personality type to strength. Because from the beginning to from the beginning of this entire scene, she is just such a rude person, like insufferable. And Cecilia reinforces that. Oh, you're blunt style, you're aggressive, can't you know, blah blah blah, all that stuff. It's a real source of strength for me. Like it's a real it's inspiring to me. I'm like, man, what's inspiring about her being like a rude you know, being like an asshole? Like, what's inspiring about mm-hmm. that? But being the <laughs> being max level Karen, you know, it's what we expected. That's what they established her as earlier on in the movie. In an attempt to tell Emily the truth, we actually get our first kill. Oh, now that scene was shocking. Yeah, it took us about an hour and a half. The movie's halfway over before we get our first kill. And uh, let's talk about it, man. So that, that scene when I was watching this movie, when that happened, like. It was so quick and executed so gracefully that I literally was probably like for the rest of that whole scene, even after the fact, whenever like the knife's placed back in the um, Cecilia's hand, my mouth was open for mm-hmm. that whole scene. Because basically what happens is um, she, Cecilia starts to reveal what she knows. Yeah. Like it's talking like, about the suit. Mm-hmm. I know how Adrian's doing it. He's alive. He's got this. I saw the technology and everything like that. And then, like, the way it's done, because you got the camera focusing on Cecilia talking about that. And then as she's going into the details, she switches they switches back over to Emily. And Emily's got that shot look on her face. And you're like, okay, so she's starting to believe Cecilia. And then the camera comes back to Cecilia, and there's a knife floating in the air. You get a very brief glimpse of the knife. Before it's quick, like it's just like real quick, and then it's like Emily's throat slit and the blood just starts pouring down, and she falls over. And then the knife, like when it cuts, the camera cuts back to Cecilia. The knife is in her hand, like it was just so done, so well, so quick, perfect execution. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's really. It's probably. It's probably point five seconds that whole that whole encounter. And it's just like the cuts in the movie in that scene were done with intention and purpose. Like mm-hmm. there was not a bit of fat in that interaction. Like yeah, that part was that that was probably the most well crafted part in the entire it was uh, the amazing. Entire movie. Uh, that that was done well. Like I said, it's like a it's like that. It's a split second. Like hey, she's basically like, hey, he's got this suit gone. She did. And then of course the knife ends up in uh, Cecilia's hands, and so. Everybody in the restaurant was screaming, freaking out, like, oh my gosh. You had that um, one woman's first reaction. Ah, she just turns her head and she kind of looks and she just sees it and it's like. Trademark <sighs> scream right there. Insert trademark scream. Yeah. And we're not talking about the, um, oh, what's the William scream? You know what I'm talking about? No, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I can't remember it. We're, I'm going to find out what it's called, but it's used in like everything. Mm-hmm. It's like a um, royalty-free scream that everybody uses as like a um, homage. They use it in Star Wars a lot. Okay. But yeah, it's very, very quick. Uh, so the restaurant just gets very chaotic after that. Cecilia finds herself in jail. And then, of course, you get this interrogation. In my opinion, it took a little longer than I expected, but Elizabeth Moss starts to really come into her role as Cecilia. And of course, she tries to convince them all, I'm not crazy. I know what's going on. You have to believe me. Now, James is in the interrogation room with her. And somehow, I think he does believe her. I don't know whether it's because that's his his childhood friend or whatever. Or maybe she's just making a very compelling argument. But he does believe her. But of course, that won't stop her from being locked up at this moment of time. And so she she gets like a uh, what is it? She gets like a checkup in there because she's like in a psychiatric ward. Mm-hmm. She gets a checkup and it is revealed that she is pregnant. So the number one thing she did not want to happen has happened. Mm-hmm. Now 
this leads us to once again another encounter with Adrian's brother. And he is a complete piece of crap. He pretty much tells her, hey, your money's dried up because you, you committed a crime. Because that was one of locked up. Yeah, that was one of the big stimula- uh, stipulations in the in the um her to get the money mm-hmm. was she could not be committed of a crime. And this kind of puts her in distraught because at the beginning, right whenever she first gets the money, she sets up a, a fund for uh, Sydney, James's daughter, mm-hmm. to receive like what a thousand dollars every month or something yeah, like a that. Yeah, thousand every month go to school stuff like and that. And now that's basically being taken away. Yep, and so all that's dried up. You know, he said, "Hey, I take no pleasure in this. I know that's what you're doing for your friend's child." Uh, but that was just now we realized that was just another chain. Adrian put around her. Adrian's brother tells her straight up, I can make all this go away. If you go back to him, if you have this baby, I can make all of this go away. You won't have to spend any time in jail. You will walk away free. Cecilia gives gives one of her best performances or best moments right there. And she said, you're just like him. You're manipulative. You're all the things that he is. You're just spineless. <laughs> she called him, you're the jellyfish version of him. Oh, that was ooh. good. Oh, that was such a burn. That, that was that was solid. Uh and so give her props. <laughs> and so he was a little he was a little flustered by that. He didn't like that too much. And so he turns away for just a moment. Just a moment. And as he turns away, Cecilia grabs a pen. Oh, it's not like a. Do with that pen, Cecilia? It's not like a standard pen. It's like one of those ink quill joints or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very sharp, right? It's fancy. It's a fancy pen. It's a little fancy. And so, with that pen, she attempts to kill herself. She tries to. She gouges it. She puts it in her wrist and she pulls it down. So she really tries to slit her wrist. Now, Adrian, because. Cecilia is carrying his baby, stops her. <laughs> Apparently, this dude's like the friggin' Terminator, man. Because, like, what happens after that? Uh, you know, he stops her. There's a tussle. Guard comes in the room. Is like, hey. Well, she stabbed him with the pen. Yeah, she net. did stab with the pen. Yeah. Kind of get him in, like, away for a bit. She has that pen right in his neck. Yeah, and the guard's like, yo, cut it. You know, guard's like, cut the crap, bro. You know, it's late at night. I'm trying to chill. I'm like, I took the guard duty so I can read my comic book. <laughs> yeah, okay? like, cut the crap, bro. <laughs> and Adrian just, you know, he just he just lays waste to, like, 10 of these dudes, man. He, like, beats the crap out of him. He shoots, like, three or four of them. Beats a bunch of them like unconscious. <laughs> like he just that goes was, crazy. That whole scene, that whole like showdown between him and the guard was yeah. like crazy. He, he literally it. does like thinking about it. You're uh you bringing up the Terminator reference. It reminds me a lot of the um Terminator Two. Literally, whenever, literally in the police station. No, no, not the, not not a police station one. In the Terminator Two, whenever they're going in there to save Sarah Connor. I was thinking about Terminator One. My bad. And they and they're literally just like taking down the guards one at a time. Like he's just throwing them like rag dolls. Yeah. He's beating the crap out of That's him. That's what dude. Adrian did. He was beating the crap I out mean, of him. I mean, he like he dog walks these dudes, man. Like he, he dog walks them. Like he, he is not playing. And I, I like look, okay, I know a dude's invisible. I get that. But come on, man. You know, somebody should at least got a hit or two in. Like, this, this I mean, crazy. like, there's these guys, these people got, like, guns. They're just, like, not using their guns. Now, the gun part I get because you can't necessarily see them. But yeah. somebody should have, I don't know, somebody should have got at least one good swing in. That's just, you know, with the baton or something. So after an encounter in the parking lot with Adrian, he finally says one of his three speaking lines. And basically, he's like, you know, you think you can beat me. You think you're learning how to defeat me. That's just not happening. Yeah, he's like, it's true. I can't hurt you. But I know somebody that I can. Yep. And actually, that um, that scene, that whole, like, uh, the parking lot scene with the rain and everything like that. I don't know if I've discussed this before on the show, but we're going to talk about it now. I love rain in movies. Mm. It is so... It's like my... It's my aesthetic, man. Like, oh, I don't know what it is, but like, if you got if you got a good scene going, and you got some rain in it, that scene's made for Ed, man. And honestly, if you check a look over here, real quick, I want to plug my art for a little bit. That's actually uh, Ed. How can they see it? 
they'll see it they'll see it when they click on the episode you gonna plug your art you gonna plug your art in an audio recording how can, I, he, how can he see i am i'll plug it but you see it though you hey see guys it? i would describe this this painting you know there's uh there's colors and lines and uh, it's not done yet hey i'm just gonna plug my art in an audio recording visualize it with your eyes yes also if you want to see more of my art follow me on at mr ed young dude that's on like instagram your fourth shameless plug this episode <laughs> hey dude i am just trying to like I'm just trying to grow i'm trying to get the the growth in here we're so working on it spooktober man it's so <laughs> hashtag spooktober 2020 and so adrian makes good on his threats and he goes after sydney she's laying in the bed you know she's ready to go to sleep and she kind of hears something in the room, and she gets like this, this, this thing of mace. She gets like mace. She's like, no matter what, I'm gonna spray this joint. You know? <laughs> I'm gonna spray this joint. If something happens. My uh, daddy got me this mace. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna use, use it. I'm gonna use mace. You know, I'm using mace here. And she sprays it. Of course, she doesn't hit anything. But Adrian like drags her out of bed and really like goes after her. James gets there like right after all this stuff goes down, and he gets the crap beat out of him. Like he's trying to like fight him he, off. He does pretty good. Yep. But he cannot fight somebody with. I don't know what it is, man. Just I'm couldn't sorry. see him. He couldn't see him. He couldn't get his eyes. You know. I don't know if it's just that or if like this suit gave this guy enhanced strength or something. But, but Jesus, he, he, he beat, beat him down. Crap. He's been beating people all night. He beat him down. Like he beat him unconscious. I said to myself. I, I, I thought he was dead. Yeah, I really thought he was done because I was watching it with my wife. I like baby, hey James, gone. Hey <laughs> James, gone. I thought he would. I like, I really did. I really thought he was dead. I was like, oh. And so, after James gets that uh, that royal beatdown, Cecilia shows up and she has a gun. She took one of the guards' guns. Oh, excuse me, fire extinguisher. My bad. So she brings the fire extinguisher and she hits him with that. And so, boom! Now she can see him. And then she takes out the gun that she got from one of the security guards, a police officer, and she shoots him. She shoots him quite a few times. Yeah. Like, quite a... She, I think she unloads the whole clip on him. She did not miss one bullet. Like, she had let all her frustration out with those bullets. That blood was running. It was coming down his chest. Now, in a shocking twist, because the invisible man, who is not invisible anymore because you see his suit, uh, is laying on the floor. And you know it's just like in that dirty hairy thing, man. I just got I got to know. <laughs> she rips the mask off. And so the most shocking twist of all of it, the most shocking twist, is that it ain't Adrian in that suit. It's Tom. Adrian's brother's been in that suit. We don't know if it's for the entire time. We don't know if they trade off. We know that they were in this together. But it wasn't Adrian in that suit. So at this very moment, Cecilia knows that it ain't over. She didn't kill or take out her biggest threat. The police then soon raid Adrian's home. And they kind of find him held hostage in the basement. Like, he's hiding behind, like, this, uh, I don't want to say hiding, but he's behind, like, this just piece of plywood. You know, they knock it down. He's like, I'm in here. I'm in here. And this all leads to the final scene. So, this all leads to the final scene. Once again, Cecilia knows it's not over. She knows no matter what, she's going to have to confront Adrian. So, she puts on her best dress. Um, she goes she's looking pretty good in that exactly. dress too I am, best dress. she glows up a little the, bit the best she's looked in this whole movie and she goes not saying that she's an ugly person no she's not yeah, she's, 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 she's been she's through a lot uh, so she goes to have dinner with Adrian and she says hey man I'm willing to let all this go I'm gonna let all this go, but you must tell me the truth you gotta, we gotta start talk, we gotta start telling each other the truth now yep now what he doesn't know is that she has a wire on Oh, he may know. And then, of course, he may he may know. You know, it hasn't been established if you know or he didn't, if he did or did not know. But she keeps pressing on him. Like, you can't keep lying to me. You can't keep doing this to me. And, you know, in a way, even though this dude hasn't, like I say, he's barely had any speaking lines the whole movie. He does come off very convincing, very manipulative. 
You know, he said something like, hey, I didn't really know what you wanted to eat, so I just got a little bit of everything, you know. I don't know if you like it or not, but I did all this stuff for you. I did all this stuff for us. And she's pressing him the whole time, like, tell me that you did this to me. Tell me that I am not crazy. And he just won't budge off of that. Mm -mm. And so, Emily, (laughs) I keep saying Emily. (laughs) You do. (laughs) Cecilia. So, Cecilia... I guess it's because Cecilia is just such an unusual name mm-hmm. that you don't really hear that much. And Emily just kind of seems like it's been made. Natural, yeah. yeah. And so Cecilia gets up and say, hey, I got to use the bathroom. She gets up and walks away. She's like, I mean, she's in tears. Like, she's yeah, crying. she's crying. She's, she's had a rough go at it because she feels like she's insane. I mean, I would too. All the shit I've been... Oh. Can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All the stuff I've been through. And she goes into the okay, so we're gonna go back to like the, the room where she had the passport in, the bag with the passport mm-hmm, and the money mm-hmm. in the first scene. So we already know that she took that suit and put it in there as well. She stashed it away. Mm-hmm. And so moments after she leaves, a knife slit his throat. Kind of in the same vein of what happened to Emily. But it just you saw his hand though. Yeah, saw his hands. Mm. And um, so basically, she calls the cops. Said, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened. He just killed himself. We were having dinner. Blah blah. And then, like, my favorite part about how that because like you you see him slit his throat through the camera, and then you see her doing it, and the camera it goes back to the camera view again. And she's doing that crying, and she's slowly walking back. And as yeah. soon as she gets out of the view of the camera, she hangs up the phone. And comes down on her knees. She goes, surprise. Yep. Because they use surprise a lot in this movie. They do. They do say it a few times. Uh, and so what happens, so going on to the next thing, you know, she's walking away from Adrian's dead body. She sees James. And she says, hey, he killed himself. Yeah. <laughs> James like, you sure? She's like, she keeps saying it over and over again. He killed himself. Yeah. He killed himself. And James kind of looks down and he sees that the suit and her bag that she's got. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, here's what it is. You know, he didn't press it. He didn't do nothing. He's like, hey, I agree with you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I like how his yeah. dialogue was like, sounds like he killed himself. Sounds like he killed himself. I mean, of course, if I'm James in this scenario, dude beats the crap out of me in my house. Yeah. Where, you know, somebody wasted or paint and coffee. His brother does. His brother, yeah. He, he gets, had a hand he in it. paint all over my new floor. Ruins my brain, all my coffee. Gets rid of my good china. My good, my good china. My good china. So Ed, man, what punches you... my daughter. <laughs> so what do you think about the movie? I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I thought it was uh, really well done. Um, there were a few things that were kind of questionable, and that's probably where I'll be deducting points from. Is uh, the Emily character was not? She didn't feel fleshed out enough to be so demanding like she was. Because it was kind of like you when you first introduced to her, she looks like some scared person herself you know and then all of a sudden she's like this kind of like tough badass character that doesn't take nothing you know so i was uh i don't hate the actress that played emily i think she's a good good actress and like all her other parts in the movie but when she was in that she just wasn't a good demanding force of a character Mm -hmm. so i wasn't too fond of a lot of that there's a lot of times i was kind of like Either you're trying too hard on some things. Some of the stuff with Cecilia in general. Um, I was really impressed with, uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. I was really impressed with like a lot of her stuff in general. She did have a few scenes where she was a little flat, but that could be uh, due to like direction and everything like that. James, I really like James and Sydney. Um his character though made some dumb decisions throughout the movie when like specifically after from his point of view his daughter just got punched and he's just gonna leave his house and leave the person that in his point of view allegedly punched his daughter there things like that i wasn't too fond of but in general i love the way i love the color palette i love the eerie kind of creepy feels that we did get but i feel like i they could have explored more of that as well. Kind of like expanded on some of it. 
because we didn't really get that much Invisible Man action. Mm-hmm. It was just more of a like two two really big scenes, really. That was it, yeah. Because you got the intercounter, uh, the interaction. Well, the spooky interaction was good with her in the bed. I, th- I wish there was more of that. Like the scene never, he wakes her up and she uh, struggles with the, the blanket. Mm-hmm. I wish there was more of that before we had the fights and stuff like that. I feel like that was wasted. But overall, I really enjoyed it. But I probably would give my score for the movie will probably be a 3.5 out mm. of 5. I enjoyed it overall. I'll watch it again. But just some of those little... You just need a little more tweaking and a little bit like that. But good movie. I recommend it. Um, I think this movie was a uh, a wasted opportunity. Uh, I really do. The thing about... You know, we call this thing The Invisible Man. But The Invisible Man plays the smallest role in the entire movie. Besides, like I say, besides maybe two scenes... You know, he's in my opinion, he's not even really there. Mm-hmm. I feel like they could have gave him a lot more speaking lines where he actually tormented Cecilia, and I think that would have really put it over the top. I think Elizabeth Moss did, uh, she didn't do the best job, but she did a good enough job. She was very up and down her performance, where the areas that she did well, she did really well. The areas where she didn't do so hot, they were just really bad. So there was this stark contrast between performances uh, with her. Now, Touching on Emily, I said uh, we could have reduced Emily's role in that entire movie if we could have put more Invisible Man in there. If we could have gave uh, him some more speaking lines than what we gave him. Uh, excuse me, or what they gave him. I'm sorry. Uh, Emily, like I can say, was max level Karen. And they tried to build her up to be like some type of some type of pillar for Cecilia to lean on. And it, that just did not work for me at all. Uh if I had to give this thing a review, I'm going to give it a three. Uh, the reason why I'm going to give it a three because I have some inconsistent performances there. Uh, there was a lack of Invisible Man in the movie called The Invisible Man. Um, ironically. Ironically, you know, it's, there there was just a supreme lack of that, and I, I felt like I felt like that was like the biggest thing that it was missing. I think if he would have got some speaking lines, he would have got like more of a bigger role. I think that would have elevated my score a little bit. But the movie did okay. Uh, one thing I really liked about the movie was that it kind of showed us, and I know they do it in other movies as well too, it shows us what people go through after they leave those terrible situations. Uh, after they get out by any means necessary. Once they get out, and once they are free, they're never really truly free. And I like that about the movie a lot. And that's the only reason why I didn't give it anything below a three. So I, I'm arrested at three. And I think the movie's decent enough. I think it's good for like a... How can I put it? It's, it's a good watch. It's something that you sit down with like a family... Like your wife or like your you know, significant others or something like that. Or maybe you just want something to watch on the weekend. I think it's, I think it's a decent watch. You know, uh, would I watch it twice? Nah, I wouldn't watch it twice. But it was, it was, it was a good movie for what it was. Ironic. Um, I do think they did miss something too. Another thing. Um, like you said though, the Invisible Man wasn't really present, which is so funny. That's such a funny thing. Uh, sentence to say the Invisible Man wasn't present. Yeah, he was not. <laughs> it's like the beginning of a joke or something. But um, especially whenever you look, even in Hollow Man, Hollow Man, you had Kevin Bacon like talking throughout the whole movie. The Invisible Man itself was just a really charismatic kind of character. His personality was is basically because you don't really see the Invisible Man. The personality has to be really, really charismatic, or you're kind of like not. You just kind of lose a potentially good character because you don't have anything to base anything off of him. You don't have good looks. You don't have um, you know, standards of wealth or anything like that. You're coming off of his personality alone. And that's kind of that was lacking in this movie. So, well, technically it was lacking in the movie, but because it was a technology thing and he wasn't really truly invisible, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. I mean, I liked it though. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, I thought it was an interesting take on the classic horror trope. Instead of it being like a science experiment that made him permanently invisible, it was a suit. 
So I feel like that was a good way to kind of like approach it, especially in the modern day time now, because, you know, apparently movies can't have supernatural elements anymore. It all has to be grounded in science. Thanks, Iron Man. Thanks, Iron Man. Okay. No, for real, though, Iron Man, you did great. Love you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, uh, that's a wrap for this episode. Uh, I think I pretty much, I think we covered everything we wanted to cover today, didn't we? We did, but I do want to announce something, and it's not anything to do with the Invisible Man. It's just something I read while you were talking. Mm. We're getting 4K Ultra um, HD releases of Lord of the Rings in December 1st. Awesome. But I think it's just theatrical cuts. Now. I will be even poorer. Um, I will be buying that because I've been waiting on that and I haven't watched the other one since because I'm wanting to watch it in 4K. Yeah, I will be I will be even poorer uh, yes. after this. And we have spoke about it before, but I don't know if we talked. Actually, I don't think we actually talked about it on here, but um, when we were doing our earlier episodes when we discussed favorite movies, Matt talked about uh, the Godfather trilogy was mm-hmm. like one of his favorites out there. He's finally going to get an actual good Godfather 3 coming out. And, uh, we can hope. We're hoping. <laughs> December 8th is going to be the release of uh, Godfather Cotta, The Death of Michael Corleone. And um, look forward to us uh, reviewing some gangster movies after Spooktober. After Spooktober. Woo! All right, guys. So, uh, yeah, I thought we were good. Yeah, we'll... We're not sure what the next movie is, but we'll get that out to you pretty soon. Uh, I'm trying to think, is there anything else we need to discuss? No, I'm good. I'm, well, good. I'm good. Not yet. I'm good. We still got some things that we're trying to get in the works. We actually do want to get some stuff going for you guys, mm-hmm. like for our listeners and everything. We actually want to get some things going, but um, we'll be uh, we'll be giving you some more ideas about that later. Yeah, yeah. so hopefully it'll be some good stuff. We're still kind of in the works. Of course, we need money to do anything. Yeah. And we're um, poor. I mean, if you guys want to slide a couple of 20s at your boy, I mean... Nobody I, wants to give you $20. <laughs> I'm trying to get his money here. <laughs> so, hey, uh, I will take the time out to say we appreciate you. Yeah, um, we do. We are growing, and you are growing with us. So, I look forward to us uh, showing you our appreciation. Uh, so, with that said, my name is Matt. My name is Ed. And that's a wrap. <laughs>